Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Well, Happy New Year. It's good to see you all this morning to be in New Iberia. Hey, I want to uh, share a, a message with you. I was recently asked to write an article. Thank you so much. Write an article for a local magazine as a counselor and um, for a, kind of a New Year's edition. And so I thought I would kind of expand on that and share that with you uh, this morning. Let me just say that this is not a self-help sermon, right? This isn't just about losing weight or getting out of debt. This is about you tapping in to God's future for you. This is about you finding freedom from something the enemy has used to hold you captive. So today, it's not just about us being better us, a better us. It's about us connecting with God and being on the same page with God that we would walk in freedom, right? Scripture says, I would that you would be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. That's our mind, our will, and our emotions. And many times, we're not all that we can be for God, and we're not able to accomplish everything we can for God because our souls are not where they should be. Our mind, our will, our emotions are are not uh, prospering on a spiritual level. And so today, I want to take you, and I want to look at uh, the book of Nehemiah. I want to look at the book of Nehemiah. I'll give you a little bit of background on that book. And I want to talk to you on the subject of the one thing. The one thing. You know, I think that we all have one thing in our lives that if we would accomplish or we would deal with, we would be in a much better place six months or, or 12 months from now. This one thing is something maybe that you've been thinking about. You've been thinking about, man, I should do that, or I should should stop doing that, whatever it is. Or maybe it's something that someone else has talked to you about. Maybe it's something that you've already attempted, and for whatever reason, you didn't succeed at. When I counsel people, of course, I'm on staff at the Lafayette campus, but I also have a counseling agency there in Lafayette. And when I counsel people and we begin to look at issues that are issues in their lives and we begin to unpack it, one thing that I see over and over and over again is this, this is many times things that they have dealt with for years, that has troubled them for years, that has followed them for years. For some, it's a generational issue. It's a, it's a generational sin. It's a, a generational curse. It's a, it's a generational habit that has literally followed from generation to generation. And many times, we look at those things, and as Pastor Don was talking about our identity being in Christ, Many times those negative habits, those negative traits become our identity. When people think about us, one of the first things they think about is something, that habit or that trait that is in us. 
When the truth is, when people think about us, they should think about us in terms of who we are in Christ, right? Who we used to be and who we are now. So I don't know what it is for you. I think that if we probably wrote down our one thing, I think probably everybody in this room would have something in their life that they would say, if I would stop this or start this, I would be better. I would be in a healthier place. Maybe for you, it's a habit that you've got to break. Maybe it's something that you need to accomplish. Maybe it's a project that you need to finish. Maybe it's a relationship that you got to restore. Maybe it's a relationship that you need to end. Maybe it's a debt that you've got to retire. Your thing may not be on that list, but you know what it is. Your relationship with God and your relationship with your family will be better if you deal with that one thing. Many times it's that one thing that keeps us from being who we need to be and from being who God wants us to be. How incredible would it be if in 12 months from now we were able to look back and celebrate not just what we've accomplished but what God did in us. Amen? To be able to celebrate the goodness of God that when we committed ourselves to being healthy and in our soul and committed ourselves to taking that step toward that one thing to celebrate the freedom that comes as a result of that. So the story of Nehemiah takes place in 444 BC. Artaxerxes was the king of Persia and Nehemiah worked for Artaxerxes. Nehemiah lived in the city of Susa, which was the capital city of the Persian Empire. Nehemiah was the cupbearer. Now, you know what the cupbearer was, right? He was the wine taster. He was the one that would taste the wine to see if it was poisoned before the king. How do you get a job? Do you apply for a job like that? Because I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not filling out my application, right? I mean, you, you're literally, every time, you're taking a risk. But really, so he was the wine taster, but he was also a friend of the king. Nehemiah was Jewish, but we don't see anywhere in Scripture where he had ever actually been to Israel. Over a hundred years before this, the Babylonians had conquered Israel, had destroyed their temple, and tore down all the walls and the gates of the city, which left them very, very vulnerable. Nehemiah hears how terrible things are in Jerusalem and he gets a burden for the city and for its people and he takes a risk. Let me just stop here right, right, just for a moment and remind you that sometimes if we're going to accomplish, if we're going to change, if we're going to pursue or let go of something that has been a part of our lives for years, sometimes we gotta take a risk. Right? Sometimes it only comes as a result of doing something different. It comes as a result of getting out of our comfort zone, getting out of what we've always done, and taking a risk to do something different. So Nehemiah basically takes this risk. He goes to the king and he asks for a sabbatical. Listen, he's, he's, really, he's a friend of the king, but he's really a slave to the king. So he takes this risk and he asks for 
a, a sabbatical. The king um, not only gives him time off, but he actually makes him the governor of Judea and gives him whatever he needs to accomplish his goal of rebuilding the walls and the gates to the city. Nehemiah prepares with money and supplies and the walls had been torn down and the gates had been burned for so long that nobody who lived there knew anything different. They were defeated people. Anybody could come in and anybody could leave. There were warlords literally living outside the city who would regularly come in and steal from the people. They were vulnerable. There was no sense of pride. There was no feeling that they were the people of God, even though they were, right? We know that the children of Israel were the the chosen people, and yet they're living in this vulnerable state, and they have forgotten who they are. Let me just stop for a moment and, and say this, that when we have something in our lives that we won't let go of, many times it's easy to feel defeated and forget who God, who God called us to be. To forget the things that God spoke to us in the past. It's easy to become defeated and literally forget our calling. So Nehemiah gets there, his heart breaks for this city. He takes a full day to look around the city and talk to the people. He decides the number one priority is to rebuild the wall and rebuild the gates. And so he calls all the people together. He casts, he casts vision for the, for the job, the, the task. And the people respond and begin to build the walls. Now remember, they've been broken down for over 100 years, but they begin to take a risk. They begin to put in hard work and they begin to make a difference. The people in the surrounding area who had benefited from Jerusalem not having a wall, they, were, they were, would come in and steal from the people. They began to get nervous. They saw this as a threat to their ability to buy and sell or to steal from them. They were also concerned that maybe Israel could once again become a force to be reckoned with. Their chief opposer, Nehemiah's chief opposer, was a man by the name of Samballot. I want to take you to Nehemiah chapter 6. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now when it was reported to Sanballat, Tobiah, to Geshem, the Arab, and to the rest of of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall. This is Nehemiah talking. And that no breach remained in in it, although at that time I had not set up the doors in the gates. Then Sanballat and Geshem sent a message to me saying, Come, let us meet together in Shepherim. This was the village that that, that Sanballat wanted to meet in with Nehemiah, in the plain of Ono. But they were planning to harm me, so I sent messengers to them saying, I just want you to take note. So remember, Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls. He's he's building the gates. And he's facing opposition, and this is his response to his opposers. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I'm... I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Listen, there is something in each one of us that we must accomplish to be who God wants us to be, to do what God wants us to do. And we've got to be willing to take the same approach in order to achieve it. There are times when we're going to have to look at people. 
There'll be times when we have to look at ourselves and say, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down off this wall. I cannot stop what I'm doing. I've got a purpose. I've got a task at hand. I've got a calling to get somewhere. Why should the work stop, Nehemiah says, while I leave it and come down to you? He was basically saying, how does coming down to spend time with you help me accomplish what I have purposed in my heart to complete? I don't know what your one thing is today, but I know this. Opposition will come. Opposition will come. Verse 4, they sent messages to me four times in this manner, and I answered them in the same way. Listen, if Nehemiah had taken their invitation, invitation to come down off the wall, not only would the wall have not been completed, but they would have probably taken his life. And I know from working with people, I know from counseling people that there are things that some of us are dealing with that if we don't stop, have the potential to ruin our lives. Relationally, in our marriage, relationship with our family or our future family. Things physically, health issues maybe that you've ignored. Family, time with your kids. The great work of raising our children. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down off this wall. Sam Ballin and his team did all kinds of things to distract Nehemiah. And the same thing will happen to me and the same thing will happen to you. And some of us today haven't been able to accomplish what we set out to accomplish because we keep coming down the wall, off the wall for people. And at some point in time, we've got to understand that in the end, we serve God and it is God that puts the desires in our heart. When you purpose to accomplish that one thing, the devil will send all kinds of things to serve as a distraction for you. But if you leave the wall and take the bait, you'll be there in January 2022. Same place, still dealing with the same debt, the same habit, the same dysfunctional relationship that you said you wanted out of. Let me just say, they'll come disguised as many different things. They'll come by the way of good-meaning friends and family members. Don't get distracted. I want to just talk to you real quick about three common distractions, three things that regularly keep us from accomplishing our goal. The first one is opportunities. Opportunities. Every day of our lives, opportunities come along that have the potential to distract us from the main things that God has called us to do. And often they're good things. They're not necessarily bad things, but they can be a distraction and they can get us off course. But to accomplish the most important things, we must learn to say no to some good things. Amen? In Nehemiah's case, the opportunity was a meeting with Sam Ballad. It turns out that this would not have been a good thing for him. But even if it had been, Nehemiah was not going to sacrifice his time finishing the vision that God gave him. I'm doing a great work and I can't come down off this wall. Listen to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. It says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Do it with all your might. Colossians chapter 3, 
Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance for the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Listen, if we're Christ followers, if we represent him to our families and to our communities, don't you think that we should walk in some form of health? Right? Don't you think that our marriage maybe should look different than the rest of them? Don't you think that our finances should have a different priority? Don't you think that maybe our kids, except when they're teenagers, we know we pray for them at the teenage years, right? That we should raise our kids. Our priorities should be different. Our goals should be different because we don't serve ourselves and we don't serve people. It is Christ and Christ alone that we serve. The next time we're tempted to do something that would distract us from the vision that God has given to us, we need to respond as Nehemiah did and keep working toward the vision. Let me just remind you of this. No matter the amount of past obedience, no amount of past obedience makes up for future disobedience. Listen, I don't know what your one thing is. I don't know what it is in your heart, that what God has put in your heart, but we can't spend all of our time talking about how we, what we used to do and walk in disobedience to God in where we are right now. Right? No amount of past obedience makes up for future disobedience. Opportunities will come, and at every opportunity, you should stop and ask yourself, does this help me get to where God wants me to go or does this, is this just a distraction to keep me from where God wants me to go? Again, don't think bad things. It doesn't have to be bad things. Just opportunities many times can serve as a distraction from us getting to where God wants us to be. The second distraction is criticism. Criticism. Listen to Nehemiah 4. Verses one through three, when Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. <clears throat> he ridiculed the Jews, the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Let me just stop here. Because there are times that people will criticize your goal. And many times, if they can't get you off the, off the track with just criticizing your goal, they'll begin to criticize you personally. Can I just tell you, there are some people that are very comfortable with you being stuck where you are. Not everybody in your life is going to celebrate freedom in your life. Not everybody in your life is going to push you toward your healthy goal. There are some people, because we know misery loves company, Right? There are some people who want you to stay just like they are, stuck. And if they can't get you off course by, by criticizing your goal, they'll begin to criticize you personally. What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite who was at his side said, what, are, what, what they are building, even a fox climbing up on it would break their, down their walls of stone. Listen, this was definitely not the first time that Nehemiah had dealt with criticism during the rebuilding of the wall. Sambalat had criticized the vision and the workers early on. 
But this time, this criticism became personal. Nehemiah prayed and he asked God for strength to continue the work. And listen to verse four and five. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their face, uh, their, their sins from your sight. For they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Can I just stop and tell you this? There are times when your opposers will come after you that you need to keep your mouth shut and give it to God. Right? Don't get in a discussion with people who do not want to see you succeed. Right? The Bible says don't cast your pearl before swine. Don't take something good and give it to people who don't care about it. And there are times when you've just got to go to God in prayer and say, God, I don't like it. I don't understand it. I give it to you. And Lord, I just pray vengeance is yours. Do with them what you will. But slap them for me in the process, right? First Peter chapter 2, verse 23 says, When they hurled their insults at him, meaning Jesus, he did not retaliate. And when he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Listen, God is the ultimate judge. Amen? Sometimes you just got to give it to God. He let God worry about his reputation, and he continued with the vision that God had put before him. Don't waste your time focusing on those who may criticize you. Pour out your heart to God and then get back to work. When my wife and I got married, somebody gave us a Dave Ramsey financial peace book as a wedding gift. It made me mad. I'm like, you know this is a re-gift. Let's be honest. You know, somebody gave them this book They didn't want to read it, and they said, oh, let's give it to David and Tara. It really made me mad. I put it on the shelf and kind of in my heart vowed to never read it. And then about a year and a half into our marriage, my wife started reading the book. Well, that made me mad. And then she asked me to read the book. I said, I'm not reading that book. She said, David, we need to read this. You need to read this book. I said, I'm not reading this book. She put it on my nightstand and she would remind me about the book. I wouldn't read the book. So if you've ever read the book, obviously you know now I've read the book, but if you've ever read the book, you know the book is full of testimonials. So she tricked me because, you know, women know how to trick us. She said, okay, you don't have to read the book, but would you just read the testimonials in the book? I was like, okay, I'll read, I'll read the testimonials. That's no big deal. I began to read the testimonials and her plan worked. I got so interested and so intrigued with people who had found financial freedom that I began to read the book. And then after I read read the book, then we put it in practice. And we took about 18 months and got completely out of debt other than our mortgage. This is how big her trick was. I then, after we got out of debt... Uh, went to Nashville and did a 90-day mentorship with the Ramsey Foundation to become a master financial coach with Dave Ramsey to help other people find freedom. But can I just tell you that when we were in those 18 months of getting out of debt, there were good people who criticized us. There were good people who would say, 
why can't you come out to eat with us? Well, because we're eating peanut butter sandwiches at home to get out of debt, right? Because my wife said I had to. So there were, I, I remember a friend of mine, a wealthy friend of mine who looked at me and just said, David, you're on the wrong course. Debt is good. You're okay with, don't be worried about debt. I knew what God had called us to, and I knew that God wanted us to be bigger givers. I knew God wanted us to help other people, and we could not help others until we were free ourselves, right? And listen, there may be people who are waiting for you to, get, to become free so that you can help them become free. Right? And so I help people now with their finances. I help people find financial freedom, but it, it didn't come without opposition. And you will get opposition as well. I don't know what you're after. I don't know what your one thing is, but be ready for opposition and be ready to look at them and go, I understand all of that, but I'm doing a great work and I can't come down off this wall. I got to get the Weight Watchers, Right? I understand what you're saying, but I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down off this wall. Opposition will come. But if God has put something in your heart and remember the desires of, within our heart that are uh, lined up with scripture and, 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 and maybe with some counsel, those desires many times come from the Lord so that we can know the freedom that only God can bring. Criticism will come. Opportunities will come. And then thirdly, fear. Fear will come. Listen to Nehemiah chapter 6. Then the fifth time, Sam Ballot was very persistent. Then the fifth time, Sam Ballot sent his aid to me with the same message and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, it is reported among the nations. The Geshem says it is true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt. And therefore, you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and, you, and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. Let me just stop and just remind you. Listen, your freedom, your success, your victory can be a threat to other people. That's not your responsibility. That's not your responsibility. And have even appointed prophets to make the proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now report, now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us meet together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you were saying is happening. You were just making it up out of your head. And they were all trying to frighten us. Listen, they tried to convince Nehemiah to run and to hide in fear of his life. But just as Nehemiah had not allowed opportunities or criticism to distract him, he also did not let fear distract him from the vision. At some point or another in our vision, we will want to run in fear. What if I fail again? I've already tried this before. I tried it in 2020. I tried it in 2019. I tried it. Listen, it's a new year. Try it again. Right? We're going to think about, what, about all the what ifs and we'll be afraid of failing, but we cannot let fear distract us. Every once in a while, when I'm trying to accomplish a goal, I go to Psalms 34 and I read Psalms 34, which is a Psalm that David wrote. I don't know why it just, 
gives me some spiritual energy. David said, I will praise the Lord at all times and his praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Listen, I sought the Lord. He answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears. Can I just tell you, fear is not of God. And if fear is holding you back from what God has for you, it is a trick of the enemy. It is the enemy that wants to keep us bound. You remember John chapter 10, verse 10? Jesus said that thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Let me just stop there and say the killing is the long-term plan, right? He wants to steal. He wants to rob you of victory. He wants to rob you of freedom. He wants to rob you of your marriage. He wants to steal from you. He wants to destroy any potential in you. But Jesus goes on to say, I have come that you would have life to the fullest or abundant life. Listen, the enemy wants to keep you bound and God wants you to have life to the fullest. There is divine potential in all you set out to accomplish. It's interesting because if you read the book of Nehemiah, and I would encourage you to, there are no miracles in the book of Nehemiah. None, not one. There are no miracles in the book of Nehemiah. We just see people with a purpose and a drive to see it come to pass. Here's what I know. Man, how do I say this with Pastor Paul Neal sitting on the front row? There are times we put more stock in prayer than we should. Let me, boy, I, got, I just found, maybe it's just me. I got a little fear. There are times when we are praying when we really should be working. Right? Listen, everything should be covered in prayer. But can I just tell you, if you know there's something God wants you to do that you've never accomplished, it's not about prayer, it's about work. Deuteronomy 28 says that God blesses the work of our hands. Right? Deuteronomy chapter 2 says that God gives us the wisdom to produce wealth. God gives us the wisdom, we're the producers. And many times we have wisdom, but we're not willing to work at it to get to where God wants us to be. Do you remember Luke chapter two? Luke chapter two, it's the first miracle Jesus performs. He changes the water into wine. It is so interesting because they're at the wedding and they're out of wine. And Mary looks at Jesus in the last words that we ever hear from Mary. And she simply says, do whatever he says. That's a reminder for us today. Do whatever he says. Walk in obedience to him. And Jesus looks at them and says, go fill up these water pots, 15 to 20 gallons each with water. And they bring them back to me. They brought them back to Jesus. He takes a portion of water out and says, bring this to the master of the ceremonies. The master of the ceremonies didn't want water. He wanted wine. But as they begin to walk Guess what happened? That water turned into wine. It was because of their obedience and them taking a step and watching God do what only God can do. 
They did what they could do, and then God did what he could do. Go to, Luke, go to John chapter 6. That was John chapter 2. Go to John chapter 6. We see Jesus feeding the 5,000 with, with the little boy's loaves and fish, right? Jesus takes what's not enough. This always amazes me. Jesus takes what's not enough. If I'm Jesus, thank God I'm not. If I'm Jesus, I'm like, God, you got to do something and you got to do it quick. Right? There's 10 to 15,000 people that are hungry. I've got two loaves and some fish. But what Jesus did was he took what wasn't enough and just simply gave thanks. The Bible says he just gave thanks for it. Because he knew that ultimately God was in control. And then he gave it to the disciples what wasn't enough. But as they began to walk, guess what? What wasn't enough became enough, but it came as a result of their obedience and them doing something, not just sitting around praying about it. And I think we've got to put some steps in place to get us from where we are to a better, healthier place. I'll read this last passage from Nehemiah chapter 6. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. You hear that? The walls had been broken down for over 100 years and in 52 days. Because somebody dared to take a risk. Because somebody said enough is enough and things have to change. In 52 days, when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of God. I don't know what your one thing is. Maybe somebody's been talking to you about how much you're drinking. Maybe it's prescription drugs. Maybe it's an internet addiction. Let me just say this. Because when we think about internet addiction, we immediately think about pornography. Can I just tell you that internet addiction isn't just pornography? People today have an internet addiction addicted to the internet and social media. I counsel couples all the time that are on the verge of divorce because one of them or both of them refuse to put down their phone and they're, most, they're more interested in, in things that people they don't know and are places they've never been than who is sitting in front of them that they pledge their, their life to. So don't just think pornography. There, there is an, we are addicted to social media. We are addicted to living the lives of other people. Your kids are missing out because you're, so, you're always there. Your marriage is missing out because you're always there instead of right here. Don't pray about it. Pray and ask God to help you, but then do something about it. Do something about it. Can I just tell you, one of the biggest lies of the enemy is that you can do this on your own. And can I just remind you that if you could have, you would have. If you could have fixed this by yourself, you would have already. And we start out a new year and you're telling yourself the same thing you've said year after year. I got this. I I got this. Obviously, you don't. And I'm not being judgmental. 
because I have my own struggle. Don't be thinking about my weight. That's not that's none of your business. I got my own struggle. And I know what it is to say, oh, I don't need help. I, I can do this by myself. Listen, if we could have, we would have. Maybe it's debt. Maybe you're living for your pride and reputation. Can I tell you, when we drive through Lafayette, I got a 13 and 14-year-old little girls, and they go, Dad, Dad, if we could live in that house. God, Dad, if we could drive that car. And I remind them, listen, let me tell you what those people have or what we don't have that those people have. They have debt and we do not. Right? And then I tell them, listen, and the other thing that we have that they don't have is a whole bunch of savings. Because now for 15 and a half years, me and your mama have chosen to put our money in savings instead of in debt. And we may not look like everybody else, but we are right where God wants us and we can do whatever God calls us to do. Maybe you need to finish school. Maybe you need to end that relationship. I don't know who this is for, but I'm just going to tell you what came to me this morning in prayer. And I don't know if it's for this service or for the next. We'll just say it's for the next. How about that? But there's somebody or there's some people, you got some phone numbers in your phone that you need to delete today. I'm telling you, that's what I heard in prayer this morning. There are, you have a phone number in your phone that needs to be deleted today. It has the potential, potential to rob you, to rob your wife, to rob your children, to rob your husband of what God has for you. Maybe you're here today and you're single and your goal for 2021 is to get married. Can I give you a piece of advice? I didn't get married until I was 36. I know it's hard to believe, right? Don't spend all your time looking for the right person. Spend your time becoming the right person so that when God brings that person into your life, you are ready. Amen? Get on the wall. Start doing your work. God's put it in your heart. And now it's time for you to take a step. Can I give you a resource? Get out your, get out your phone right now. Get out your phone. You can take it out. It's in church. I know I just talked about internet addiction, but take out your phone. If you have something that has followed you, if you have something that is a negative, repetitive behavior in your life, I want you to go to this website, wecanbefree.org. Wecanbefree.org. And I want you to listen to those. I've never, I don't think I've ever listened to the fourth sermon. But let's listen to the, 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 the first three sermons. And then in the third sermon, he's going to give you a model for prayer. I'm just telling you when I'm struggling with something, that's the model of prayer I go to because it keeps me mindful of my struggle and mindful of my victory that's available only in Christ Jesus. Listen, you got to put some, some feet to action, but it all starts with Christ. It all starts with you committing everything you have to Christ. Because if you're just trying to do it on your own, you've done that before.
you've done that before. Would you bow your heads? I want to ask you two questions. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one's looking around but me. And I want to ask you a question. If you would say, Pastor David, I know what my one thing is. I know what I've got to start. I know what I've got to end. I know what I've got to pursue. And I know what I've got to let go of. Would you literally just put your hand up and put it right back down? And I need God to help me in 2021. Yep, all over the auditorium. My hand's up too. Let me pray for you. Father, you know the heart of every one of us in this room. God, you know our desires, but you also know our patterns. And Father, today I pray, Lord, that we would find freedom. God, that we would connect with someone, we'd find accountability to not try to do this on our own. God, you invited us into a community, into a spiritual family. And I pray today, Lord, that we would connect with someone, be honest with someone, and begin to walk a journey toward freedom and health. Lord, we know the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Father, I pray that we would know the abundant life that's found only in you. Lord, I pray today that you would set people free from negative thinking, negative mindsets, fear, distractions, and even opportunities. We would pursue the goal that you've placed in our heart. Hey, your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Let me just ask you another question. Maybe you're here today and the biggest struggle in your life, is it your weight or your debt or your whatever? Is that you have no real purpose because you've never said yes to Christ. You've never said yes to the one who literally died to set you free from whatever it is that you're struggling with. Today, you're in this room. You've never taken the steering wheel of your life and just said, God, you take control. Jesus was talking to a man named Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And Nicodemus said this, I want to know what I must do to get to heaven. Well, we all want to get to heaven. And Jesus' response was, in that moment, he could have said a whole bunch of things. But what he said is, Nicodemus, you must be born again. What does that mean? Well, when I was seven years old, I said yes to Christ. I've never turned my back on him since. I've had bad days and good days, and, but I've never been the same. My physical birthday is February 17th, 1966. But when I, turned, when I was seven years old, everything changed to my benefit. Maybe you're here and you say, well, I was christened, I was baptized, I give money to the church. All those things are a great first start or a great start, but that's not what Jesus said really mattered in the end. He said, at some point in time, you've got to make a commitment to me. If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you know that you're away from God, I want you to take this moment. I want you to start 2021 with a fresh commitment to him. That's you here today. I just want you to, Put your hand up and put it right back down. We won't embarrass you. I just want to pray a prayer with you. Thank you. In the balcony. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? I want to pray a prayer with you, but I want you to, and I want you to repeat this prayer after me, but let it come from your heart. 
Would you repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe that you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose again on the third day to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. This moment, I confess. This moment, I believe that I am born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen.